1: mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply bank of america and a member FDSE.
0: what is it that we need to know to have a great relationship around money rather than what is it that people need to know to do financial planning well now that i'm looking back on it i realize that what you were doing was you were building closeness, and you were creating memories and you were bringing the family together in those you know going out to dinner or going on vacation or whatever and he said and Now we're stuck in quarantine on top of each other and we like each other. 77% of couples can't talk about money well. said, I realize I have been thinking of spending money as literally just a net cost. Whereas you think of spending money as a net investment. There's a benefit that comes with the cost. And for you, it's a net investment in togetherness as a family.
1: Dear young married couple, you're in a busy season of your life. You're probably working and involved in ministry. On top of that, you might even be parents or students. You're maxed, but you really wanna stay connected in your marriage.
2: And that's why we're bringing this podcast to you.
1: I'm Adam King.
2: And I'm Carissa King. And we work with busy couples just like you in our counseling office here in Sacramento, California. We also work with couples all over the world through online counseling. our couples are really just looking for ways to communicate with each other more effectively. Some of them are looking to heal from a breach in trust or find direction in fulfilling the purpose that God has
1: for them. So come and join us as we have a conversation. We'll talk with therapists, authors, pastors, and other couples who will pour into us, giving us tools to become more intimately connected, get adventurous, and find purpose. Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple Podcast. In today's episode, you'll hear our interview with a Harvard-trained researcher and author about how it's not about the money.
2: And before we introduce our lovely guests, we want to invite you to come hang out with us live at an event that we're hosting this Friday, June 25th at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Um, It's our dollar date night, and it's called Marriage and Your Money.
1: We have... Worked with so many different couples, and money often comes up as a point of contention in their marriage. <laughs> yes. So we want to invite you. It's going to be a really great time to hang out, um, Mm -hmm. learn some stuff, to have some really good conversations.
2: Yes. So go register. Use the link in the show notes. So on to introducing our lovely guest, Shanti Feldhahn is a best-selling author, a very popular speaker, and an internationally renowned social researcher from Harvard. And she and her husband have co-authored many groundbreaking books. Um, Some of them you might have heard of, For Women Only, For Men Only, The Kindness Challenge, and then their most recent book, Thriving in Love and Money. Um, they have such in- incredible research. Their eye-opening findings are regularly featured in the media. They've been featured on the Today Show, the New York Times, um, Family Life, and also Focus on the Family. So we are honored to interview her today, and I think you'll learn a lot from this interview.
1: So listen up.
2: Welcome, Shanti, to the podcast. We're so happy to have you on today. Welcome. I'm thrilled. I'm very excited to be here with you guys. Aww. Well, you have a lot to share with our audience and we're excited to dig into the questions that we have for you. And I know a lot of the questions that our audience has for you as well.
1: Yeah. And, and well, we know that money is such an important topic because all of us need to know about it. Yeah. We have two different people coming together with two different value systems. And I'm sure we're all going <laughs> to talk about all that. So this is a this is a very important topic and um so we're privileged to have you on today yes
0: oh i'm delighted oh the only problem is is i think everybody in your audience went screaming in the other direction when he said we were going to start talking about money
1: (laughs) (laughs) right
2: Right. That's that thing people don't want to talk about, right? Sex and money. Exactly. So, exactly. <laughs> in these podcasts, we talk about both. <laughs> well, and in,
0: thankfully, in this case, it's not the normal money conversation. So,
2: All right. <laughs> well, let's have an abnormal money conversation. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So you've been married to Jeff for 22 years, and you guys have been doing a lot of research about money and other things, marriage, for the last uh, 13 <laughs> years. And um you guys um did you always enjoy healthy communication about money before you kicked off your love and money research?
0: <laughs> I wish I could say yes but uh, no. We we actually had the most hilarious start to this project. Okay. Um because this had literally been something we had never thought about researching, which is sort of hilarious if you think about it, because it's such a big issue in marriage, right? and it had, it had never occurred to us. And we get this call out of the blue. It's sort of a long story, but we get this call out of the blue from a big um, kind of Christian focused financial services company saying, you know, we know your researchers. We didn't know them or anything about them. This was mm-hmm. literally a a cold call okay. and um and they said you know we have seen this the representatives of this company were saying we have seen that money is you know obviously one of the big issues in marriage but we don't think it has to be hmm. and how would you feel about making this your next research project and hmm. us sponsoring some of it because research is really expensive hmm. and the first reaction because we've been like you know what's our next project supposed to be like if we were in this time of real seeking And the first reaction was like, wow, like, this is astounding. Like, what an answer to prayer. And then about a half a second later, it was like, oh, no. (laughs) 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 Because money was one of the big issues after all these years doing all this great research that we'd incorporated. Mm -hmm. That was the big thing that was still where we were not on the same page. Ah.
1: So oh, Yeah.
2: Interesting. So you knew you guys were going to have to have some crucial conversations yeah. if you were going
1: to do this research. So wait, how did your so- conversation around this develop <laughs> as you went through this project?
0: It, oh, it was fascinating because the the thing that we realized very early on, um I mean like probably literally that same day when we started talking about it is really where the need was it wasn't in what you think of as the traditional kind of money research, money books, Mm -hmm. marriage and money stuff, because almost all of that is on, you know, how do you get out of debt or how do you Mm -hmm. develop a budget or how do you have a financial plan or go through the course at your church or whatever. And all of that is great. Mm -hmm. Um, But what for us, we realized is that one of the reasons why those things had been difficult for us is that we couldn't really talk about money to begin with. Uh, And it's really hard to do those things or to want to do those things when you have this marital stuff, (laughs) when you're not on the same page and it's kind of a defensive conversation or you want to avoid it or Mm -hmm. maybe you talk about it when you have to, but it's definitely not like, woohoo, we get to sit down and talk about money. And so that's what we realized was the need. And mm-hmm. the need really was for people like us and everybody else out there who's just average, normal, non-financial like financial planner kind of people mm-hmm. of what is it that we need to know to have a great relationship around money rather than what is it that people need to know to do financial planning well? Because there's tons out there on that. Right. And trust me, you don't want my advice <laughs> on that. <laughs> and And so, really, that was the the good thing for us was kind of recognizing, okay, this is going to be a really important research project for people in marriage. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it'll be a pro- important project for us, and it has been. Oh,
1: wow, that's really. What good. was the most surprising thing that you learned through the research project?
0: You know, the probably the big um really, this is actually not just the most surprising thing. But it's also sort of the summary of everything that we learned, which is we didn't realize that when you're having tension around money or avoiding talking about it or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. it's not about the money. Mm -hmm. It turns out it's about how money, how it makes you feel Mm -hmm. and how it actually just as important, how it makes your spouse feel right. Mm -hmm. And it's about all of these kind of expectations about how money should work that are all these subconscious things um, about a bunch of insecurities and worries in not just in your spouse but in you <laughs> that you don't even know is there mm-hmm. and so it, there's all this stuff that's running under the surface and do you mind if I give you just a, a quick example because we'd love, yeah, that. We'd love yeah. that this is like this is the silliest little thing, but it's really honestly of the silly little things that all the marital tensions happen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, a silly example, one of the things that was a pretty common pattern before we did this project would be like, for example, I would be driving home um, from a long day of meetings, say, mm-hmm. and I would call Jeff on the way home and I would say, you know what? we're both tired. We both are running in a zillion different directions. You know, you just got the kids from whatever. And how about I just pick up some Chinese food on the way home for dinner? And his reaction often would be something like, you know, that'll be like $35. And why is some (laughs) chicken in the fridge from Costco? Why don't I just grill the chicken? Now, okay, simple conversation. Why does it it bug me? (laughs) Why does it bug me that he's like, no, no, let's get the chicken from Costco. And why does it bug him that I would call and ask the question? And we would never have been able to understand that. I mean, very minor, silly thing, but it's that day-to-day stuff. We wouldn't have been able to understand why that stuff bothered us. And Once we dug under the surface and we did, we did this three-year research project to understand the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, we we realized that all of that—it's not about the money stuff. It wasn't actually about that thirty-five dollars. Mm. It was like on my end. I was subconsciously thinking we've been in a million different directions. Our son is crack. Our daughter is volleyball. We haven't seen each other. And you know what? If we grill the chicken, like it's great of Jeff to say, I'll do that. Like it was all on him. But, you know, then there's going to be, there's prep for that. And then the cooking and the cleanup, Uh you know, Uh from, from, from it. And then the kids have homework and pretty soon you've missed another evening And so my subconscious brain was thinking $35 to buy this precious hour of family time. Like, absolutely. No problem. Mm -hmm. No problem. Where Jeff wouldn't have been able to articulate that he's thinking, if we keep doing this, we're going to be homeless in retirement. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. It is mine. Yep. So. It's a silly example, but
2: oh it's
1: That's so, stuff. so good. That's real life. So like yeah. right before we started this, I I was talking about money, of course, because we, we had this. <laughs> uh, we were kind of preparing our minds for it. And I was like, you know, it's really interesting. It's almost all of our conversations around money have to do with either desire or fear. Mm. So you have the desire for, okay, I could buy that hour of time of, you know, I don't have to prep. I don't have to really clean. I get to hood all the way. And him, it's well, the fear the fear of mm-hmm. not having retirement or a desire to have retirement, however we want to Correct. say it, yeah. whatever one's you know, maybe coming up to the surface the most, we act on that. But I think that that's I see that all the time with clients. Mm-hmm. it it's rea- it's reactionary almost rather than, uh, yeah, you know articulating. Really that articulating that that I'm desire. worried about this mm-hmm.
0: or well. You know. It's for folks like you, maybe, and I mean a lot of there are plenty of people who are comfortable talking about money. And there are people who are able to kind of identify what they're thinking and feeling about it, but most of us really really aren't. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't even have like thought about okay, what are some of the factors underneath the surface? You just mm-hmm. you do just react. It's a good word, Adam. You you really have that sense of Defensiveness or whatever it is that's your your thing, your issue, the tension, the common patterns that are blow up <laughs> when you and your spouse get going on these on these topics. And and it's interesting, really truly, we identified it's interesting you say values and fears, because we we identified these really five Factors, I guess you'd say, okay. that all of the money tensions funneled into one or more of them. Like mm. everything runs down into one of these five. Awesome. More of the yeah. of the five, right, and well, it's yeah. Tell us what five are. Two of them are values and fears. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, and so that that you're you're obviously very astute in this area, and that is one of the things that the rest of us miss. Mm.
1: Could you elaborate on those five things?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, the values one is actually the easiest to understand. And it's also, it turns out, it's also statistically the, the biggest cause for like the day-to-day friction. Okay. Mm, like okay. The, that, that little stuff that mm-hmm. gets you constantly. Um, it, because it, it turns out that we... We know our spouse is a different human. Like, like, is somewhere in our brains, we are aware of that fact, and yet. Yeah, kind of. Like, it's there somewhere. We know that. And yet, for some reason, we sort of don't realize that we're expecting them to care about the same exact things that we care about in the same way. Mm -hmm. And so, we're one of the big factors is that we don't recognize that we're just not valuing what our spouse is valuing. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you have to. Like, you don't have to agree. But we go way one step past that. It's not just that we don't agree. It's like we don't even think that what they value is there, or that it's legitimate? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and recognizing, hmm, like instead, like if they don't have like a gambling addiction or something objectively problematic, mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's not something that big, which is really rare,
1: yeah
0: it, it's like it's okay that they're a different person and that yes. they care about something different. And they're why so is hindering. my way, right? Yeah. <laughs> is way
2: wrong. So Shanti, how would you suggest, I know we're going down the list of five but specifically yeah. on the values question. Um, how would you suggest that people honor or respect their spouse's value or even acknowledge it yes. um, when they don't have the same value?
0: When they don't agree when they, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, okay. Here's an example Um, That actually happened in our life, ironically, right as the book was releasing. Okay, And we were actually able to handle it well rather than poorly, which is what we would have done before. (laughs) (laughs) Because one of the common values differences, there's all sorts of things. We we identify a bunch of different ways it plays out. But one of the really common ones is that usually in a couple, there's one person that's more, um, a little more comfortable spending money than the other. Yep. Even in, even when you have two savers, usually one of them is a little more comfortable with that. Yeah. And so it's a common values difference, sort of the saver versus not saver or saver versus spender. Mm-hmm. And in our relationship, I'm more the spender, Jeff's more the saver. And mm-hmm. neither of us are nuts, but common. Sure. And and it's interesting when the pandemic shut everything down, um, mm-hmm. we, it, as many authors, speaker people you know found we went from one day to the next all our income went away right like all of our speaking events were canceled Mm -hmm. you know all the book sales that come from speaking events are canceled like the whole business model just went pull yeah and so obviously there is a very real financial issue that rises to the fore that just all of a sudden nowhere Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly all of a sudden and Jeff, he came to me um, and we have been trying to practice this stuff ourselves mm-hmm. instead of not talking about it, which is <laughs> probably what we would have done before. Mm-hmm. Um, he, we've been practicing trying to kind of articulate, here's what's going on. And so to his credit, he came to me and he said, look, I have to, I have to confess. I have to tell you that I'm dealing with a little bit of resentment. Mm. Um, because, you know, again, he's the saver Yeah, and, and the way he put it was, he said, you know, if we wouldn't have gone to Disney world last year with the kids on vacation, or if we wouldn't have gone out to eat mm-hmm. those times, you know, with the kids or, you know, as a family or whatever, we would have thousands more dollars in our bank account that we could really use <laughs> right now, now that all the income has gone away. Right. And so you know he was he was trying to articulate it and then he said and this was and this is the key to what you're talking about and then he said however i realize that's not entirely fair mm-hmm. because now that i'm looking back on it i realize that what you were doing was you were building closeness mm-hmm. and you were creating memories and you were bringing the family together in those, you know, going out to dinner or going on vacation or whatever. And he said, and now we're stuck in quarantine on top of each other and we like each other. (laughs) And and he said, I realize I have been thinking of spending money as literally just a net cost, Mm -hmm. whereas you think of spending money as a net investment. There's a benefit that comes with the cost. And for you, it's a net investment in togetherness as a family. And and I realized now basically he was honoring what I valued. Even though he said, I still think we could have done like free picnics in the park <laughs> instead of going out to eat, you know. Sure. Even though he wouldn't have handled it the same way, and you know, he disagreed a little bit and was still dealing with the tension of okay, what's gonna happen financially, he really made a point of verbally, overtly mm-hmm. saying, even though I don't necessarily agree, I see what you value. I'm honoring mm-hmm. that. And here's what happened in my heart as a result. Mm-hmm. Instead of the norm, which is the defensive wall goes up because I'm feeling attacked or whatever. Mm-hmm. Instead, all that defensiveness came right down. Yeah. And because of feeling validated, cared for, whatever the word is, that made me much more willing to then have the deep conversation about embracing the austerity plan yes. <laughs> while, <laughs> while we had no money coming in. Right. And, and it, it, might, it might feel to people listening kind of obvious, well, of course, you embrace the austerity plan. And of course, you do this or that. But really the the issue for many of us is that we know logically and do actually do the logic, the the thing that you think is necessary, Mm -hmm. but you're not together. Mm -hmm. You're, you're not one in your relationship. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. defensiveness and frustration and resentment on one or both sides and being able to really honor what the other person values. Mm -hmm. It, it really reduces a lot of that.
2: That's so good.
1: Yeah, that really is. I love that. That I love the fact that he was able to validate your value system. Mm-hmm. And that's really what enabled the discussion because yeah. if he came in, and devalued it, then you would have to defend it because you think that that's the right way to go. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. It's a great way of putting it. And, and candidly, if you don't mind me saying so, one of the things that I realized is a huge issue in a lot of the circles, probably many of us run in, in the church, in sort of the, the world of kind of Dave Ramsey courses and you know that kind of thing, is that there is a sneaky um, what's the right word? A sneaky underlying assumption. Let's just put it that way. That the saver is always right. And that that they value the saver planner, slightly inflexible way of looking at something mm-hmm. is, is the right way. Right. And because everybody the else, more conservative way, right? It's the more conservative. Normality. Yes, yeah. and and Jeff, Jeff, if he was here, he would tell you the same thing. He he said once we finally were able to articulate some of these things in the process of the research, he finally was able to articulate. He said, "Yeah, I um I just thought you had a character flaw."
1: right down to it
0: yeah but it 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 honestly is kind of i hate to say it it is the assumption back there in the mind of that sort of mentality and there's nothing wrong with sort of feeling like this is important like saving planning is important But the people who are more comfortable with spending, mm-hmm. they might, if they were able to articulate it and able to, if they were given kind of permission mm-hmm. to be validated, right? Mm-hmm. The The feeling is, yeah, of course, that's important. But also, you know, God promises us good gifts now and wants us to enjoy, you know, the good gifts that he's given us now. And, you know, he says take no thought for tomorrow. What about that? And what about the guy who stored up all his money in barns and never got to enjoy it? And Mm -hmm. it's not like, and the thing that we don't realize is that neither of those has an objectively, this is always right. And this is always wrong, right? Mm -hmm. It's both that we're supposed to be navigating with each other and with God really thinking as a person of faith, you know, that's just that's the thing. And we don't realize that we are unvalidating. Is that a word? Yeah. Devalidating? Mm. Whatever the word is. Yes. <laughs> our, spouses, yeah. our spouse's way, especially yeah. if if the people who are more the safer yeah. planner type.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So even just just saying it out loud, even if you're wrong, even if you get it wrong, but you're attempting to acknowledge their value. Or why they're, they 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 do value yeah. a certain way of doing working with the money, but you acknowledge that that's going to help bring down the defenses, and they'll be able to tune in a little bit better.
0: As long as it's genuine. Yeah. I mean, if if somebody is yeah. kind of like, okay, I'll pretend I'm Jeff again. <laughs> if 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 Jeff was like, you know, I know she has a character flaw. Poor dear. Pat pat pat. But I'll pretend misguided, mm-hmm. poor misguided girl. I'll pretend that I kind of understand why she, why does she want to go out to eat when, you know, mm-hmm. clearly a free picnic in the park is the way to go. Um, that won't work either. Yeah. <laughs> it, it has to be really a, a genuine desire to
2: understand mm-hmm. what your spouse cares about. Right. right. Yeah. You married a, a goodwilled person, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah.
0: In the vast majority of cases, again, unless there's some objective issue like a gambling addiction, which is like a hundred, a hundred objective observers would look at a gambling addiction and go, "Yeah, there's a right and wrong here." a hundred objective observers would look at me and Jeff and the Chinese food and not there's. You might there's not an objective right (laughs) and wrong.
1: Exactly, it, it seems too like what you're espousing is navigating the extremes together Mm -hmm. someone will have an inclination to be the saver the other one will have an inclination to be the spender but how do we accept influence from each other to do the right thing in the right timing Mm -hmm. yes to the right degree like moderation and and understanding what right means we'll be right back to the interview but first we want to share something that we are really excited about
2: you know, we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations.
1: And that's why we created the monthly live date night.
2: And monthly live date night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes, 60 minutes. It, we focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick. And then 30 minutes, we do a Q&A and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy. And we share tools. Uh, we have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in, but we really want you to take action in your marriage too.
1: So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details.
2: All right. Back
0: to the interview. Right. Because yes. it, the, what is right really truly is about God's calling for you as a family mm-hmm. rather than, I mean, you could say, like, I have a friend who literally um, picked up, dropped, um, quit his very lucrative job um, and a, a corporate job. Right. And his, his wife, um, he and his wife had two little kids and he quit his job and they moved to another country as missionaries and felt very called to do that. And it's been obviously a complete change for them financially. And, you know, their kids are growing up in a place where they're not necessarily having like all the right medical care or all of this or all that. Is that right or wrong? Mm -hmm. It's something they feel called to as a family, even though there's, you know, suddenly no savings, (laughs) uh, you know, all the things that come along with that. And, and that's an example that's really easy to see because it's like, oh, well, they're missionaries and they're following God's call, but it's the same thing for the average suburban
2: couple that's just trying to navigate God's calling for their. Yes.
1: That's That's so good. good.
2: So it sounds like the key component here is you, you simply need to be having the conversations. And you actually talked yes. about that in your book. What percentage of couples don't have conversations about money? They avoid it altogether.
0: Believe it or not, it's 77% of couples. <laughs>
2: 77
1: 70- I believe it.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay,
0: so let me let me nuance that a little bit. 77% of couples can't talk about money well. Mm. It's not that they're avoiding it altogether. That includes everybody. Um, about It's about a third... Of maybe 30%, I'd have to look it up, but somewhere around 30%-ish of couples, they are the ones who avoid it altogether. <laughs> like-
1: oh, God. Like there are certain shutdown topics within the money conversation that are mm-hmm. completely shut or they just aren't they able to don't. accomplish anything.
0: Wow. Well, there are plenty of couples. And this is basically, if you think of about a bell curve, mm-hmm. the way that we identified it essentially is that you've got roughly 25%, 25% and 50% in the middle. It just worked out that way ish where about 25% ish of couples are really talking about money. Well, no problems whatsoever you know, any, they, they love the family planning meetings. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's just no issues. And it's like, I think you guys are mutants, but okay. I'm glad (laughs) y'all are out there. So that's, that's, that's about 25%. And then on the other end, there's about 25% that can't talk about money at all. And Mm -hmm. they, and they not only avoid it, but they'll have separate bank accounts. So they don't have to talk about money. Well, they do everything separately. They, Um, you know, they, they have recognized, okay, my paycheck needs to go into my account and her paycheck needs to go in her account because I can't. Which
1: opens the door for so many other problems.
0: So many other issues. And then there's the 50% in the big middle. And that is a spectrum Mm -hmm. of sometimes being able to talk about money well, and sometimes not very well, but in general, I mean, overall it is, it turns out 77% of couples are in one or, you know, one place or another in that bell curve. So, yeah.
2: So we were starting this list of insights um, that really help us in terms of like where it all funnels down. You started with the first one and it was uh, values. Yeah. Um, Can you help us out with what's next? Why are these 77% of couples not able to talk about money well?
0: Well, another factor that we found is the fears thing that Mm. adam was mentioning earlier so okay this is there's a big 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 picture thing here i'll try to make this quick Um, basically it turns out that we tend to have these kind of deep primary fears about money in some way Mm -hmm. And we don't recognize that in the majority of cases, now this is not everybody, but in the majority of cases, like 70, 75% of cases, men and women actually tend to have two different fears, Mm. a primary fears. Like everybody to some degree is, you know, has a lot of the same worries, but the kind of the heartbeat stuff that becomes like almost irrationally emotional. Yeah. Impulsive. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, (laughs) <laughs> what,
1: Adam? Can I guess what the, you go. the are? Okay. go, you guess. I would say the men are well, the women are afraid that security will be lost and women are, and then the men fear that they won't ever be successful or feel accomplished
0: you are very close. Uh,
1: yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. It. <laughs> yeah. No, you're very close. Here's, here's the nuance Okay. Is that we found that the, the majority of men are more likely, and this wasn't a hundred percent. I can't remember what it was. It was like 70 something percent. Um, and I always have to say that because that means if it's 70%, that means 30% didn't feel this way. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Yes, so yes,
1: Everybody's majority different. though, majority.
0: Yeah. But you know, talk to your spouse about it because mm-hmm. they may be in the 30%. Sure. So any, anyhow, the, the fear to bring it down to the most basic, the fear is this sense of, am I going to be able to provide for my family? Hmm. That's really what it comes all the way down to. And and am I able to accomplish something is a part of that because that's like, am I enough to provide for my family? Yeah. And so that the the fear feeling, the example that we use actually in the book, because to me I kept hearing this kind of analogy, is it's this almost irrational fear that feels rational, you know, I don't know if any of you have a fear of heights, but like for me, I don't know what it is. I'm weird. Like I can stand on a high bridge and I'm like, I'm going to be pulled over the bridge and die. Mm -hmm. Like there's, it makes absolutely no sense, but it's it's a very real, but very irrational fear. Mm -hmm. And so the reaction to that kind of it triggery kind of fear is you try to back away from the edge, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you do something that makes you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. And so for the guy, and there are some women too in this camp, but it's overwhelmingly men who have that, am I going to be able to provide for the family? Am I enough mm-hmm. kind of fear? They're backing away from the edge, so to speak, would be things like well, it means I've got to be available every time the boss calls. Right. Yeah. Right like yeah. or, you know, if if he emails me at 11 at night, I need to do the whatever. And because I don't want to be on any question mark list or right. you know, those kinds of working the extra hours and, okay, maybe I'll just try to get that one extra deal or whatever. Anything to pull them away from the from edge the because it makes them feel better, more secure. Yeah. So to take
1: sp- take back maybe a little bit of control in their Correct. minds.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And there's a buffer, there's a mental buffer. Yeah. And so that is all, that is very common. Statistically, that's very common amongst men, especially once they become fathers, just FYI, like married men, it was like there, but once they became a dad, it was like, yeah. like it became a huge thing. Yeah. And, um, and that, um, that fear, the issue with, that action that he is taking to stay away from his edge, so to speak, Mm -hmm. is that it actually pushes his wife closer to her edge Mm -hmm. because the edge of security for women, you talked about the security thing. It's actually more emotional than it is even financial. And, and that sense of, are we together? Are we close? Is everybody happy? Are we a team? Are the kids feeling loved? You know, like whatever all those things are, where a guy, he just doesn't see that as a cliff. Like, of course, we're fine, right? We're fine. Uh This is you know this but uh, over here I'm really worried about the money but
1: yeah but we're if we lose the house
0: <laughs> yeah right exactly and and the women statistically are actually like well I don't want to lose the house either but I'd rather lose that than lose him yes mm-hmm. yeah. right like that's the and and he's thinking what do you mean of course you're not going to lose me but I haven't seen you in weeks and you never yeah. talk and you're got the black cloud of doom following you around the house yeah. so, you know yes. and so I don't I don't know what's going on and right. It feels like the edge is there. So, what she tries to do to back away from the edge and make herself feel better and sort of secure the family and make us feel close is she's more likely to do things that involve spending money.
2: Mm-hmm
0: she is trying to like, again, you go out to eat or you need to save
2: an hour and be together. Isn't yeah. it? Exactly. Oh,
1: Chinese food.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Or, or even if it's not a ton of money, it's, it is literally things that make him feel like, well, can't you just tell them? No, honey. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know it's just, we were going to hang out with the kids on Saturday. No, honey, I got to go into the office. And please, please tell them. And so he tells them no. And now he's thinking that just pushed me closer to the edge. I just told my boss no. Yeah. Mm. Yep. And so we don't realize that the things that we do to make our money fear, so to speak, the things that we do to make that cliff fear feel better, make our spouse's fear worse. Yes. Ooh. And, yeah. and it's a really common dynamic. That's obviously way oversimplifying, but it's a real common dynamic and the key there is, again, it's just to honor what the other person fears and realize it's like a real thing for them. Like for you, you don't get it. Like women are just as likely statistically to worry about money as men. The, the stereotype that, you know, men save it all, women spend it all, it's absolutely not true. There was no gender difference at all. Women are just as likely to worry about money. However, the am I going to be able to provide things simply isn't a
1: cliff fear. In the same way
0: it is for men.
2: Yeah, mm. yeah.
1: That's such a great insight. Yeah. Thank you for doing this research. I love. it. I
2: know it's excellent. <laughs> okay, so take us through Shanti. The next few. So we have values, fears. What are the? Yeah. What are three, four, and
1: five? No, we probably won't have enough time to do all. Dive in, super deep. Well, I
2: can do one more.
0: I mean, I know you probably are almost out of time, but I can, I can, and, and then tell me if you want more. Uh, we'd love, love to it. hear them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the third. Listen, the third one is another one of the. Really, really crucial ones because everything revolves around this as well, Um, which is that we don't realize as a couple, we are often subconsciously resisting being one in our marriage Hmm. and it's coming out in how we handle money. Talk (laughs) about that yeah well so we all have this i hate to say this out loud but it's just kind of true like we kind of underneath the surface every one of us has the desire to kind of want to do what we want to do like that's just in there right Mm -hmm. and it turns out yes that's in there and that is at its most fundamental sort of core It is a resistance to the fact that when the two become one, you're supposed to have two individuals who are still individuals, but they're supposed to no longer be just you and me. They're supposed to be we, right? It's Mm -hmm. supposed to be this oneness that God designed for marriage. And we don't recognize how often we're fighting against that. Mm -hmm. And money is one of these areas that is an emotional thing, even more than a physical, technical thing, which is why Jesus kept saying things like, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be like, yep. it, just, it deals with our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of want to do what we want to do. And it's like, he's not going to tell me what to do with my money, because I made this money. <laughs> and, wow. and even in a marriage where you're like, you know, for example, I've had plenty of people you know, tell me um, that they have separate accounts, right? So that they, or that they have some mechanism where they can kind of do what they want to do. And, you know, I have a little bank account on the side or, or whatever in case he like that on me. And, and then I talk to other people who are like, Oh, well, that is not me at all. You know, I, we don't have separate bank account. We don't hide things. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't hide the money. And I always say, well, you, Absolutely. You know, maybe you don't, but ask yourself a more mundane question like, have you ever tried to pull the Amazon package off the front step before your spouse sees it? Ha
1: uh-huh. <laughs> ha. Yeah. I've like, never oh. done that, baby. No.
2: <laughs> Only when it's a Father's Day gift. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But that's, and that's a really good question.
2: Yes. That's, that's just, it's basically,
0: yeah. it's just being really honest with ourselves. And nice. for some people, it's not an issue. It's about 80-20, okay. where most of, you know, most of us have some thing like that down inside in big ways or little ones. Uh-huh. And some people, they've really gotten good at really becoming right. one in marriage with their money. And it's... Yeah. They may have other issues, but that's not one of them. Sure. Um, and so the the issue is being really honest yeah. about like, huh, yeah. <laughs> like, did I, did I buy the tickets to the movie online and pay the extra convenience fee, even though I knew that Jeff doesn't like to do that, but I didn't want to stand in line. <laughs> I just like neglect to mention that to him. Uh, <laughs> you know? gotcha. yeah.
2: So was this um, primarily, was this done on this research on Americans or?
0: Yes. All all of our surveys, we have two ways of doing research, sort of the qualitative and quantitative. Okay. And so all of the surveys are all in the U.S. and nationally representative. If okay. somebody is not a, an American citizen, mm-hmm. not, excuse me, not even a citizen, a resident of the U.S., mm-hmm. if they're in the U.S., they can be included in the survey and it's all representative across you know, racial boundaries and yeah. age and religion and all that kind of stuff.
2: I wonder though, if like but, the American culture played into that independent seeking dynamic that you talk uh, about.
0: No, okay. <laughs> so believe it or not, it turns out it's human nature, um, mm. <laughs> not just American nature wow. um, because, you know, we all, at least for me, and I think for you guys from a faith-based perspective, you know, Thin, it's called um, the desire to do what we want to do. And, mm-hmm. and that it turns out in the qualitative research, mm-hmm. which was all over the world okay. matched the quantitative surveys. It just, mm-hmm. it's applied differently, okay. right? Like you don't necessarily have the package from Amazon on the front step, right. but sure. it's applied differently. You know, you, whatever your version of that.
1: Yeah. Cause I, I definitely would see like that cause I had almost recoin that as like power almost like Uh, i i want i want to do what i want to do that really to me means power like i want power over this you know and control control. exactly power and control and And that those are these are human basic things that Uh we do or actions totally that's so so just just so we kind of know uh what are the other two things
0: even if we can't even, dive into if we them. Can. even if we can't dive into them well one of them it's actually there weren't a ton of gender differences in the money but the other one of these was actually something that was really interestingly different tended to be between men and women but overall some people will process and think about money decisions completely different from other people and it's it's not always men and women, but it yeah. tends to be. And it's really about whether you're a verbal processor or an internal processor.
2: Uh, okay. And,
0: and that ends up causing all sorts of issues.
1: <laughs> so why can't you, why do you shut down every single time we try to talk about it?
2: Uh-huh. Correct. They're internally yes, processing. I, I got, exactly.
0: Yeah. And then, and then you know, the, and it's often a guy who has to go underground. And he withdraws. And do the test match and, you know, kind of internally thinks about something for three days. She has no idea yeah. that he's thinking about whatever it is that's been, you know, bugging her. And Which he comes out. Her to her cliff. And mm-hmm. yes, and then you know he comes out, it comes above ground with the "I think we should do this," mm-hmm. and she thinks this is the beginning of the conversation because <laughs> 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 she has she has no idea he's been thinking about this for he's three days. it, <laughs> up. Right? Sure. and I'm so she starts. It up. <laughs> <Let's> yeah, <talk. laughs> yeah. So she starts. Well, what about this? What about that? And he's like, mm-hmm. I spent three days thinking about this. Don't you trust me? And like, yeah. <laughs> and. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so those dynamics, again, it's silly, but they happen all the time. Really? It's, so yeah. good. it's one What's of these? the last one. So it turns out we have these, um, the easiest way of putting it is we have these kind of knee jerk reactions mm-hmm. to things mm-hmm. that seem like, Oh, this is just the way it is. This is the way sh- money should work. Mm. And it's shoulds. It shoulds mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And those, it, those knee jerk reactions are very, yeah. I would say irrational, but they feel very rational mm. to us. Um, and they're very real. And our spouse probably has completely different ones. Mm. And so it makes absolutely no sense to my husband for example that to me it's a completely apparent like absolutely not a question that if i've been looking for and I'm, I'm making this up but like i've i've given myself in quarantine i've given myself plantar fasciitis and so i'm suddenly having to buy like expensive shoes which drives me nuts but whatever uh-huh. And so, but it's like completely logical that suddenly this site that sells these really expensive shoes, it's no longer 120 It's like $78. It's like, of course, like, of course, I'm going to get them. It's not even a question, <laughs> <laughs> which is because that's a knee jerk reaction that makes sense to me. Uh-huh. And because that's my, it's again, it's some of the values thing, mm-hmm, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Jeff, completely different for him that's the moment when you have the knee-jerk reaction when you're supposed to stop and not do something like that because the man's trying to get you to do something like that (laughs) and he's I'm gonna stick it to the man and I'm not gonna buy into the flash sale thing and you know that's his knee-jerk reaction you know wow so
1: I love it Yeah, there's (laughs) so much fodder and I know that couples listening are gonna find so much to talk about so this a lot of it, it brings up a lot of the dynamics, what we've talked about today, brought up a lot of the dynamics and the problems. And I'm sure in your book, you'll have to talk about this a little bit because um, we're going to ask you about resources for couples. <laughs> um, I'm sure about—I'm sure the book probably gives a lot of antidotes to these these problems that couples fall into.
0: Yeah, the one of the f- there were some really fun findings that were just made me so happy as we were <laughs> going through this um, about some of the solutions that the ha- for example the people who were in that twenty five percent who were able to talk about money with no issue like okay what are some of the things that they're. Doing differently. Mm-hmm. Like those kinds of factors. Mm-hmm. And it's it's stuff that's hidden in the data. And then when you kind of crunch it a different way, it's like, whoa, look at this. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, one of the really, really common patterns amongst the most sort of happy couples in this area is that they've both honored each other's without realizing this what they were doing, honored each other's values, so to speak, by creating a bucket that each of them has every month of money they can spend however they want without having the answer to the spouse. And, you know, for couples who don't have much money, you know, it could be $50 or something, but for some couples, literally, like they'll, they'll create a bucket of three, four, $500. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it drives the husband nuts that the wife spends Two hundred something dollars on a haircut and a highlight, like what? That's just ridiculous. But it's in her bucket. She's cool. Like he's he's not gonna second guess it because okay, love it. You yep. do what matters to you. Yeah, me money. And, we call it very important. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah. And that was an example of something. There were several of those things that we found. Wow, mm-hmm. this
2: really statistically matters. Yes. I love it. And you share a lot more about those practical yeah. solutions so in the book.
1: Te- and tell us, uh, what is the title of the book and where can they find it?
0: It's called Thriving in Love and Money is yeah. the is the title of the book. And really, you can get it anywhere. But, it, you know, if you get it on Amazon or whatever, um, the the thing that I encourage couples to do because it's so cheap there comparatively mm-hmm. is sometimes couples will even get two books I had a, a couple the other day who showed me their books and because one of the examples that we you, we talk about is do what we call the love and money exchange okay. where you actually read the book for yourself first, like about yourself. Mm. How do these things here apply to me? Like which category am I in, in these, mm. you know, things. And, 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 Sort of, well, yeah, this may be 70% of men, but it isn't me. Like I'm in the 30 or whatever, right? And so you, you highlight and you make the notes all through the book. And then you either, if you're doing it in two books, you trade books. Or if you're doing it in one, you look at each other's comments. And you're basically getting a personalized tour.
2: Oh, into your spouse's heart
1: so she's, she's a, the pink highlighter and I would be the there
2: you go the yellow exactly that's a brilliant plan that I is love so good that. I love that yeah so, so, so we people have, buy a book yes buy two books we'll link the the book um, in the show notes share other resources that you have Shanti
0: Well, the thing that I really encourage folks to start with, actually, is we have an assessment. Um, It's really simple. It only takes about five minutes or so, but it's sneaky deep. Um, There is a lot of effort and sort of analysis put into this. And it's designed to help you identify where you're starting Mm
1: -hmm. in these
0: factors. Nice. Um, nice. Because different people are going to be starting in different areas, you know?
1: So where, Um, where do they find that?
0: So that's at thriveinloveandmoney.com. Thrive okay. That's in love our main love. website for this initiative, thriveinloveandmoney.com. You awesome.
1: heard it, people. So if you want to have more enjoyment around money, <laughs> go take that assessment.
2: <laughs> yeah, and get raise your awareness of where you are and then dig into the book.
1: I, I love this because it at least is going to get people talking in the right direction.
2: Correct. correct. Yeah. Yep. And then um, you have other books as well, Shanti. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, I do. What are some other books that you have that we can link for folks to check out?
0: So our best-selling books over the years, um, our two best-selling books are called. One is called "For Women Only," mm-hmm. and the subtitle is says it all. It's what you need to know about the inner lives of men. <sighs> and it helps women understand men and then we have for men only which is obviously the reverse to help men understand women and these were actually our first research projects and they've been updated since then but it's Mm -hmm. so it's and it's the thing that we found so helpful for us being just kind of the non-psychologist average semi-confused husband in life you know (laughs) Uh, is, is there really there really are like some of these values differences that I was talking about, where there's some very deep stuff going on mm-hmm. under the surface or the fears. There's, mm-hmm. It turns out that there are some of those things that are so different statistically for the opposite sex that you have no idea that like all day long, your spouse is thinking about or feeling something or, you know, encountering something that you're completely blind to. Uh-huh. And and you love your spouse. You want to care for them well.
2: Uh-huh. And it's this aha moment of some of these really important factors. So, uh, Okay. And when did those come out? What year? Well, the original
0: ones were two thousand four Four and two thousand six. I think the yeah. the new editions, the revised editions, were released in twenty thirteen.
2: So I remember those books on the shelves of the Bible House. It was called the Bible House here at our local. <laughs> oh, that's uh, a
1: that's a throwback Bible store. That's
2: a glass from the past. Yeah, yes. I was it was my first job when I was sixteen, and Sorry. so I was organizing books, and I remember those books on the shelf. Yeah, so that's I was like, I right. those are pretty old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. Love it. Yeah. Love it's, it.
0: Well, the thing is, it's really interesting. You know, we've continued to do the research over the years. We've now actually interviewed and surveyed. Gosh, we're literally closing our next survey tomorrow. Okay. Um, and it's, we're almost to 40,000 men and women nice. over the years. Wow. And the thing that's really been fascinating Is we've gotten narrower and narrower on what are the things that um, really, truly we don't understand about each other that we need to know. And it's been fascinating. I think God just set up those books all those years ago Mm -hmm. because we were clueless and (laughs) and He knew they'd be needed because the research has continued. We don't know what we were doing with our first research projects. Like, we're all confused. And it's continued to narrow that down and say, yep, those are the important factors.
1: Mm. (laughs) With 40,000 people, you're going to start learning some things. Right. See some patterns. Wow. Well, thank you so much for this time. And thank you so much for um, the work that you've done. This has been really awesome.
2: Absolutely. We're going to close the podcast out by asking you a question that we ask all of our interviewees. And okay. Let's, uh, go ahead and rewind to the first couple years of your marriage. And you're going to write this letter uh, to a young married couple. So you'll fill in the blank, dear young married couple.
0: So to me, the dear young married couple letter is to tell them, dear young married couple, just be curious about each other. Just try to learn one another there's all sorts of stuff going on under the surface yes. that you don't necessarily know. They have your your spouse is this alien person who has <laughs> all these different insecurities and fears and worries learn all of those things and their needs as a result it'll change
1: everything. So good that's wise. Yes. that's good. hey I like that this alien person that you're living with <laughs> <laughs> who are you? Pretty much. Well, thank Uh, thank you, Shanti. This
2: has been an honor to have you on our podcast, and um, we'll definitely send folks your way for these resources. And I'm sure it's going to impact lots and lots of couples. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys.
1: All right, friends. We really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. and if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at com.
2: No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at Dear Young Married Couple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.